Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. This is the first in a series of two podcasts that will talk about synthetic polymers that are commonly made into fibers to be used for textile production. Uh, I'm going to be talking about nylon and polyester in this episode. I love chemistry. This is one reason why I really enjoy learning about and thinking about the synthetic fibers. They're the result of work of biochemists during the mostly first half of the 20th century to figure out what other naturally occurring polymers there might be and or what polymers could be synthesized in a laboratory. Some of this work was done by DuPont, which is a chemical firm that had its feet both in um, the eastern U.S. and in uh, Great Britain. And Carruthers was the name of a scientist there. And I just love to, to think about the excitement and the intensity of research and effort that went into discovering the polymers that we know of in apparel and interior design products such as nylon or uh, polyester or the olefins which are much less well known um, although they're all around us very ubiquitous. So even though I may not actually actively really enjoy the products that are made from these materials, of course I do actively really enjoy the products made from these materials. I'm wearing a, a headphone set right now, which contains probably a good bit of, of polyester. The invention of polymers that were thermoplastic that could be molded on heat meant that suddenly a whole host of new and different products that didn't have to be molded from metal or carved from wood were suddenly available. This really changed the nature of our lives. So ultimately, yeah, I think you have to give the synthetic materials their props. We're going to start by talking about the first two, uh, nylon and then polyester, which are uh, close together in the 20th century there. Uh, nylon really became available uh, first as bristles for toothbrushes and then as uh, women's hosiery right at the start of World War I. But Carruthers at DuPont was working and researching on this clear back into the 20s, right, just when rayon production became viable and they realized, well, wow, if we can find some other polymers, that could be great. Uh, just when uh, we started to see things like uh, acetate, which was a thermoplastic material, uh, opened up everybody's eyes to the possibilities of these new materials. World, uh, World War II is a real watershed for fiber research, uh, in part because it meant that lightweight, durable materials could be made and in some cases replace the fibers that we lost access to as uh, the Japanese closed off um, shipping from uh, China and other parts of the Pacific. So uh, nylon, um, while it was had a lot of great excitement in a product called that we in the U.S. call nylons, our women's hosiery, was quickly repurposed for uh, uh, cable ropes, cables, um, belting, and and of course parachutes. So this is the first 
synthetic fiber produced in the U.S., produced in 1939. It is melt-spun, which gives it a lot of uh, variety of right uh, materials. Uh, obviously, toothbrush bristles are filaments, and um, hosiery are made out of filaments as well. Nylon it, as a polymer is uh, just sort of a chain of carbons with some various side groups, but these side groups do include amine groups, which make them actually fairly similar to protein fibers, just in the sense of uh, they may have a little bit more absorbency. So this uh, fiber, nylon, has the highest absorbency of any synthetic fiber. It has a 4% moisture regain, which is much lower than the 11%, which is the low end for cellulose fibers. But still, this is really good for synthetic material, most of which are hydrophobic. One, uh, that's the good news about nylon. Uh, one of the bad news is about nylon would be that it's a color scavenger, so it attracts dyes. I mean, that can be great, right? Uh, you know, who doesn't want something to attract dyes? But it's pretty profligate about this, uh, which means that if you have, for example, a garment that's white that's made of nylon, let's just say a pair of underwear that's in your laundry, uh, if you launder it with anything that has dye that isn't very securely attached, then some dye will end up on your white nylon product. We call this color scavenger. This is the ugly. It doesn't have as good a UV resistance as other synthetic materials, so we don't use it for uh, window material, but uh, the UV resistance is still much better than natural uh, or regenerated cellulose uh, materials and, and much better than, than natural protein materials. Uh, if we think about uh, this fiber, um, you know, again, because of manufacturing, I don't need to talk about things like cross-section or production. We already learned about that. Most nylon is actually used for carpeting. About 50% of nylon is used for carpeting because it's very resilient. Uh, it, we will make it with a lobe or voided cross-section because this improves absorbency. And uh, absorbency is really important in carpeting to reduce static. Because it's lightweight and hydrophobic, we might see it uh, for things like umbrellas, right? Replacing silk, which would have been used before, or tents. That's another application that uh, might have needed silk, very lightweight for uh, like high mountaineers, uh, alpine work. Uh, we use it also for swimwear, uh, lingerie, uh, again, because it has just enough absorbency to be really comfortable next to the skin. Uh, but because it's so strong and lightweight, it's used as the scrim inside tires for things like seatbelts and backpacks, luggage, parachutes, as I mentioned before. Let me dig in a tiny bit into carpeting because I think this is an important topic, especially if you're working in interior design. Because we can add finishes to the solution before we extrude the chips or extrude the, the fibers, uh, we can make uh, versions of carpeting that have things like um, uh, soil or stain resistant built in. We'll learn more about this in a later podcast on finishes, but it's just important to know that this is very common for nylon. Uh, we can add static resistance, uh, which is, again, um, done by increasing the absorbency. Uh, moisture materials don't work up as much static as dry materials because the moisture helps ground the uh, generated electricity. Now, 
nylon is not naturally flame resistant. So if we add flame resistant chemicals, then nylon can be very suitable for uh, rugs and carpets where flame resistance may be mandatory in public settings because obviously what do you do if some if a room's on fire you stop drop and roll or you crawl along the floor gosh that would be tough if the carpeting were on fire uh, it's only voluntary for upholstery uh, the idea being that uh, a piece of upholstery on fire uh, won't necessarily burn your whole house down but gosh if I were looking for upholstery I'd look for one that had a flame resistant labeling on it uh, very small rugs, like uh, bathroom rugs, they don't need to be flame resistant. The idea being you could just pick them up and chuck them in the bathtub if they caught on fire, right? If your bathtub candle fell on it. Uh, so uh, it's really for rugs and carpets that are large enough to have a piece of furniture sitting on them. If we beef up the UV resistance uh, by adding a UV res absorber into the solution, we then have a great product for outdoor applications. So we might see nylon in outdoor furniture. And that's really all I'm going to say about nylon. Uh, it's just, although I appreciate the chemistry, behind, the hard work behind inventing these, they're just not as much exciting to say about them. Uh, polyester, also invented by uh, uh, people at DuPont, although it uh, was um, first trademarked in England under the name Dacron in 1946, right? So kept working on it clear through the war and then finalized it at the end of the war uh, to be available for the for the market the, the public so this would be the second synthetic fiber uh, this is a fiber that uh, or polymer that's used for so many products not just fibers it can be endlessly modified it's melt spun uh, so it can be recycled by heating it again and it is just a very commonly used material it has good UV resistance and also good chemical and biological resistance, which is important for hazmat situations, hazardous material situations. Uh, it has better UV resistance and better chemical and biological resistance than nylon. Uh, you know, uh, if you purchase a, a painter's drop cloth that's made of uh, PET, uh, which is uh, a common um, a member of the polymer member of the polyester family, this painter's drop cloth is a really handy thing to have in your, your go bag, your emergency situation bag, uh, because you can use it to create a protective barrier between you and all sorts of things, right? Just by taping it over a doorway or vents, right? To make your um, uh, a room, for example, in your motel. Um, uh, less likely to be penetrated by, uh, for example, biological agents. Gosh, if I were stuck on a cruise ship at the, you know, and I were worried about uh, catching a virus from my neighbor, uh, I would put the, uh, a sheet of polyester, I would tape it right over the air conditioning duct in my uh, cruise ship and, and, and over uh, the doorway making like a little vestibule area that I could pass through. So it's great material to have, uh, inexpensive and handy. I recommend that every family have a couple sheets of uh, polyester film around uh, for these sorts of situations. You never know when you need to set up a quarantine room for a member of your family. Uh, it's a really easy care fiber. Um, it's heat sets, it has good dimensional stability, quick dry, and it's great for uh, travel, uh, very sturdy, very popular for things like uniforms um, because it can heat set with uh, nice creases, uh, for example, in the pants. One downside, one downside, it's oleophilic, so oil loves polyester. You ever had a t-shirt that was a, a polycotton blend and you ended up with sort of a, a shadow on the front of the shirt? 
probably salad dressing, right, which has oil in it, uh, something from your lunch. Uh, you'll need to rub some deter detergent or straight up laundry detergent on that to uh, and let it set for a bit to allow the um, uh, enzymes in the detergent that will eat through grease to remove that from your shirt because it's really attracted to the polyester. Uh, polyester, because it has good UV resistance, is used for things like uh, window films in auto in cars. Uh, it's used for hoses and belts in cars. Uh, audio and videotape, remember cassette tapes or video tapes, right? Those would be made from uh, polyester film. Uh, sewing thread uh, very often is made from polyester. Um, and then, of course, it can be recycled. Uh, so we, we can take bottles uh, that are made from polyester and make them into fibers again later. So uh, nylon and polyester are the first two uh, produced uh, fibers and really gave us a taste of what synthetic materials could do for us. Kind of too bad we didn't discover hundreds of others. We, we just didn't, it turns out. Um, there are even some uh, the esters in the polymer form uh, naturally occurring as part of what gave us the idea. But um, ultimately, uh, nylon, uh, polyester, and the next two I'll talk about, olefin and acrylic, are really the main ones that ended up being used for apparel products.